And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Folks, welcome into On to Waveland, live from Dyersville, Iowa. No, I no, I was not there for the Field of Dreams game. Uh, this is On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at the Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney, and the ghost of Moonlight Graham will be joining us later. He will make what he, he by hologram. He will make one statement and then disappear forever from the podcasting world only to wish that he could come back someday and uh, have another go at uh, podcasting the jokes we've got them lots of them and they're very lame we are all engaged in dad mode because uh because we are we're nerdy dads but also because the field of dreams just sort of brings out that uh i, th- I just think it naturally speaks to the dorky nostalgic uh wistful feelings of dads and sons and and no doubt mothers and daughters and all other folks who want to enjoy and watch but obviously there was a heavy emphasis during the game on fathers and sons the griffey's junior and senior bit was pretty darn cool uh justin Steele taking his brand new son to the game very cool drew smiley talking about his daughter's birthday very cool um so let's start you know, let's start with the Field of Dreams game. I just am curious, you know, how you guys took it in, what you thought generally, and then I have some thoughts, questions, comments on some specifics. But, you know, just keep it high level at start. How did you how did you enjoy the Field of Dreams game? Yeah, I mean, in general, I'm a sucker for nostalgia. Uh, I mean, there's a reason Fenway and Wrigley are my favorite ballparks. Uh, it, you know, there may not be the perfect place to always catch a game or to get around sometimes in the ballpark or whatever it is. Uh, it, I mean, Wrigley was my first ballpark to attend a game. So nostalgia I, I just, just hits me, right? I'm the troughs. I'm, I, I thought you were. <laughs> yes. Like, also a big not, fan of troughs. I will not. There's a ballpark <laughs> where I cannot pee in a giant tub. <laughs> And and as hokey as some people feel Field of Dreams is, I know it's, it can be a polarizing movie for some. Some people really have a strong distaste for that movie. I, I mean, I love it. I'm, I'm a sucker for it. Uh, I showed it to my kids before last year's Field of Dream game, Field of Dreams game. And, and I mean, it, it was one of those things where I came into this like, no way it's going to be as good as last year's and the game what it meant really wasn't right i mean you you can't compare it to last year's two playoff teams to exciting teams to uh, a bunch of like uh, really like uh, marquee name players uh, between the white Sox and yankees last year 
but it was still fun. It, I mean, it, all of it, like the just watching it, even not being there, it's one of those things where when I'm, you know, when I think about it, it's like, yeah, I needed the time off to, to reset after the deadline, and I'm glad I didn't drive out there. But then there's a part of me that's like, man, that would be kind of cool to experience just those those few hours of that game just to see it and just like kind of you read uh, if, if anybody's read Trent Rosecrans' piece, I mean – uh, that hits home and that's uh, it's uh, it's hard not to tear up reading a piece like that and and those are the types of emotions that I feel you you know they, they really nail them uh, you know the the production of it all is 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 pretty impressive for a league that struggles with a lot of things uh, marketing especially and and seems to trip over itself repeatedly uh, they they hit on this the past two years they've hit on it and and it's uh you know outside of one <laughs> one thing that was, nobody was a fan we'll, of we'll get to which that. we'll get to uh i thought they did a really great job and and you know even that one thing doesn't it didn't bother me as much as the rest of the internet but i also understand why it did <laughs> no i mean this this feels like something that major league baseball will probably like just go overkill on in terms of like this game. Like, so I want to say yeah. that up front of like, this seems like a great event that would be like the Olympics, like maybe once every two or four years, not like how, you know, the NHL winter classic at first came out. I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. And then don't they, they started doing like three of them uh, a year. Well, ironically it's, it's the home it's the home run problem, right? That home runs are great. But they're great because they're like special and rare. And as soon as you make them not special and rare, it's like, oh, these are maybe not as great as they once were. So it's it's, it's ironic. It's kind of the same issue with the game itself. Yeah. And I think like, you know, Fox outside of that hologram does a great job of bringing that like big game feel to it. Like just those shots from above um, the, you know, what I thought was the coolest moment was just having Joey Votto mic'd up and granted he's an exceptional <clears throat> talker and thinker and has a great array of experiences but like to me that was like real talk and it wasn't you know uh controversial or silly it was just like him explaining you know kind of what's happened in the game and like the mental side of the game and to me like i could listen to that guy for nine innings and you know we've seen this <laughs> yeah. on i mean side of i remember you talking to him a long time ago about rizzo when rizzo was first getting established and so that was like you know 10 years ago and you just add 10 more years of perspective onto uh joey Votto's brain like uh it kind of made me wish like game broadcasts across the sport could have that level of insight all the time and that would be really hard to pull off but you know to me that was a perfect like guy to go to given his personal history and what he shared on twitter his relationship with his dad and playing catch and then just someone who really you know had faced john smoltz before and someone who was recognizing what velocity has become in the game like and that that to me is what i think the broadcasts should strive for just a level of realness uh, you know of him saying like you know the majors are the easiest place to play if you have the skills for it but if you don't this will eat you alive on a you know 
daily basis. And, and I thought that was something that, you know, we get from observing in the clubhouse and, or Brett, you know, we follow the game so closely, but I think for the casual fan, just to articulate that, I thought was a really cool, genuine moment in that Fox, you know, didn't need the hologram because they had so much other stuff going for it in this broadcast. And, you know, I was getting texts from friends and family like, Hey, are you at this game? You know, like it, it was an event on a Thursday and it'd be way better than another Cubs Reds games at Great American Ballpark. They do what, like 10 of those a year. Like this is really broke through, I think, the clutter at a time when the sporting calendar is, um, you know, kind of empty and, you know, people are looking for something to watch. So you don't have to watch all nine innings, but it was it was a big time event. They pulled it off. What a great point about um, getting texts, you know, from random folks during the game that uh, I hadn't thought about till you said it, that. I was getting tons of texts from family and friends who are, you know, aware of baseball and, and don't actively dislike it, but that would never text me to talk about baseball. And they were texting me last night during the game talking about it. And I suppose that is a very good representation of what MLB wants games like this to be. You know, baseball has become uh, increasingly regionalized. And I, I personally don't know that there's anything wrong with that. As long as you can still have these marquee events that get that national scope and that provide opportunities for new or emerging fans to really get to experience the game. And you nailed it. The Joey Votto thing. I, I don't know how you could have been, you know, a, a marginal fan and watched that and not been like, dang, this is really cool. Okay. Oh, I get I'm I'm starting to pick up some additional things, you know, about the sport. You know what the coolest part was? Like as a Cubs nerd. The coolest part was when Wilson Contreras reached first and Joey Votto gets asked, you know, like, you know, when you talk to guys, what do you, you know, how, how, what, what do you get into and stuff? He's like, well, you know, the thing about Wilson Contreras, he's always so grumpy when he comes to first. He's of course joking. <laughs> he's like, he just doesn't talk to me. He never, he's so focused on the game. He like never says anything. I gotta, I gotta talk to him about his brother or something just to get him to open up and smile. And I wanted to like, you know, sit in that moment for a bit. Cause that was just such a, a fun way to think about Wilson Contreras, who we all know as this exceedingly affable, uh, vibrant, talkative, open guy, but that in this singular moment of the game, he's intensely focused. I loved that dichotomy. We didn't get a chance to sit in it much because almost immediately after that was when Wilson was rounding second base, turns his ankle badly. I did want to mention that for a moment. So if this is not the Field of Dreams game, does he stay in this game even if he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling okay? I, I, I had the feeling, like, because did you see the video? That that ankle turned. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. thing turned. It's a, you know what? If it was, uh, what, two weeks ago or ten days ago, he's out of the game. Yeah. A hundred percent, right? He's he's not playing pre-August 2nd. Uh and all any, of our after the second gosh, that happens, all of our jobs would have been so much easier. Not not wishing any harm on Wilson, of course. But if he had, if that had happened on August first, and then he doesn't get traded, it's like ah, well, shoot, it's just bad luck because of the ankle. Uh, instead of what the hell are they doing? <laughs> uh, but anyway, he he of course did stay. So he went down in so much pain that he gets easily tagged out. Like no attempt to even go back to the bag. So that's how you know how uncomfortable he was 
But then he comes back out, plays the rest of the game. I feel like I perceived, maybe I was looking for it too much, but I feel like I perceived some tentativeness at the plate when he was batting, like the first step after he would make contact. I feel like I noticed a little bit of like uh, lack of explosion there. And I wonder how it feels. The Cubs have a kind of weird off day today because they have to re-travel to Cincinnati. Um, So I I wonder if he'll get a little time off, but um, hopefully he's no worse for the where hereafter because even as we don't have the cynical oh got to keep that trade value up anymore you do want for him and for a variety of other reasons to have a strong end to the season and so I would never want to take away the field of dreams game from anybody especially in a way like that but as a Cubs fan I couldn't help but watch that and be like "Ooh, should he really be going back out there um all right so yeah, hey, Brett, before we shift gears, sorry, I, I just have to tell my Joey Votto story since Patrick mentioned it, but it was about a decade ago now. Uh, it, well, it, it's just, I mean, you have to remember this is me pretty early on being in a clubhouse, especially like I'm, I'm not comfortable going up to people that I don't know. Well, I, I'm a little, I'm, I'm still a little tentative about it, right? It's I'm not I'm surrounded by reporters. I don't know in the visiting clubhouse. I think I just introduced myself to Trent Rosecrans either that day or that series. And I asked him, I was like, Hey, how's Joey Votto? I'd like to talk to him about some things. He's like, you know, it all depends on his mood, but he's great with me. And, and obviously Trent's developed a great relationship with Joey over, over time. Uh, so I, I, walk up to him and he's literally like I gotta go hit uh if you walk with me from the clubhouse to the dugout we can talk during that time he he talks to me the entire walk it's a it's a decently long walk I don't know a couple minutes from the uh Wrigley visitors clubhouse to the dugout and then he sits and he's taping his bat it was a good 20 30 minutes that he just sat and talked to me and this was you have to remember this is before StatCast, before we have every bit of granular information. And we were talking about hitting and how it's more than just strikeouts and walks. It's quality. And he's like, he's like, everybody's trying to break it down into fly balls, line drives and, and, and ground balls. And this is before anyone's talking about launch angle. He's like the specific degree at which you hit the ball is what matters and nobody's talking about that they're just talking about ground balls and fly balls and line drives as if they can all be categorized into three different buckets and and he's like ranting about this and I hadn't thought about it as detailed as he had and I was just blown away with how much thought he'd put into it and how specific he was getting and he was talking to me about essentially launch angle and quality of contact before it really became a thing in the public and and something that you know players still get frustrated by but he's he's talking about it a decade ago it was just just a fascinating guy just a fascinating conversation and i still i still think about that because at first he was like i was like oh i'm not going to get much time with him he's he literally just has to walk out to hit and and he just did you know the questions were good enough and and the conversation was good enough that he was willing to keep talking to me and and we talked we started off on rizzo and went to through like all these different things that literally for a year I had material where I could pull back and, and like use a Joey Votto quote. It's like, Oh, I never use this from that 30 minute conversation. I can, I can use this as a jumping off point. Just, I mean, uh, uh, Patrick's so right. I mean, mic that guy up as much as you can, just like a really just a great guy to talk baseball with. Well, 
since this is turning into just like Joey Votto praise, I got to drop three <laughs> things while we're on it that I uh, have not had occasion to discuss. One, around that time, I remember when you did that piece, Zadif, by the way, because it really stood out because I believe it was when we were sort of, as fans, kind of obsessing about Anthony Rizzo's approach. And uh, I think he had maybe met with Votto that offseason in Florida to discuss yeah. hitting. And um, that that may have been the, the genesis of it. But uh, I, I do remember that, and I remember thinking, wow, this guy really has a sophisticated thought process about hitting. And that was near the outset. I don't know if it was the outset or near the outset of when he went on an absolutely Herculean streak of not popping out. He okay. had, like, the. it was only when we had just sort of started to track this stuff, like you said, and somebody kind of went back and looked, and they're like, he has not had an infield pop out in, like, years. It was just absolutely bonkers how long it had been so fun little fact on him two uh i have family in cincinnati area and connections there with some folks who uh are just familiar with his service in the community that he does not that isn't publicized it's a lot like some of the stuff that anthony rizzo would do incidentally that didn't always make it out into the media and apparently vado is like a unbelievable pillar of the community in cincinnati and it's not not really discussed all that much publicly so good on him for that and then the last thing is when he went on that home run tear was it last year it must have been either last year or 2019 because there were fans because I was at the games and he did he had one re-hit multiple at Wrigley and it was when he got into like Joey the villain mode uh, on the road he's like pointing to the back of his jersey and he's like yeah yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah and you know he was doing it performatively because it was fun for the fans and it was like he he knew his always oh, he was like taking the ball from people do you remember this and like throwing it to different people in the stands <laughs> yeah. and i just i absolutely fell in love with that guy at that moment because i was like this is a guy who completely gets what it is to be a, a an entertaining baseball player in this era like to to play the heel when it's fun to be the heel and to to be the hero when it's fun to be the hero and to just understand and to do that while he understands baseball in such a sophisticated way that he could talk about it like he did last night um just yeah that's that guy uh, put him on the mount rushmore of best baseball personalities of the moment so that that worked out very well for baseball to have him on the mic none of which is to say that ian happ thereafter didn't do a great job uh of course ian happ professional podcaster so he knows he knows how to handle the mic as well <laughs> it's just following joey Votto is kind of a, an impossible task uh okay so let's turn the page a bit to let's go ahead let's mention the the one <laughs> the one bit so i did think uh, and agree that the production of the game was fantastic i thought even like some of the pre-game packages were really well done that stuff can be cloying and not not attractive at all but it actually was pretty well done for what the game was and uh, the in-game stuff it just it all worked it just all worked with the exception of the harry carry hologram seventh inning stretch now what i what i don't have a gauge on is to what extent those of us who are very familiar with how the cubs do it at wrigley field with the video boards um we may have a slightly skewed perspective because the cubs have done a very good job with that it's simple and it works. It just works very well, in my view. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. 
You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, to add a layer of like technological complication that was unnecessary and that created for me the the very unsettling uncanny valley effect where when you you create humanoid things that are like just not quite like humans it it produces this this is like a psychological uh thing you can read about it it's kind of fascinating it will produce in you feelings of like extreme discomfort that kind of don't make sense to you. You're like, why am I so revolted by this thing? It's only a little bit off, but, but that's called the uncanny Valley. Anyway, I was there among the folks who were like, no, this is just, nope, 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 not working. It's wrong. I feel like Fox perceived it too in their testing because they showed him like for a couple quick flashes, but otherwise it was very at a distance and like showing the crowd. I feel like if they thought it was working very well, they would have been on him and like, look, behold our technology. They would have been all <laughs> over it. Uh, so that, that was my reaction. I did like all of the jokes thereafter though. A lot of good jokes. The, the meme was good as Kendall Roy might say. Um, yeah, love that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so I, I I totally get where everyone is coming from. That type of stuff just doesn't I'm not going to obsess over it or or worry about it too much or or just be like, that's the worst, right? I mean, it, it wasn't offensive, right? It, it was just a poor decision and I think like I think there were debates about it. From what I heard, there were there were people that said like Fox was going to scrap it or something. I heard all this stuff earlier in the day that because I knew it was happening. Is someone had, it had broken uh, was whether it was Twitter or whatever or an actual article, whatever it happened. I I know I'd heard that it was happening. Right, this wasn't like a surprise, and it, and I think there was a debate as to whether they should scrap it or not. And clearly, I, I agree, Brett. They didn't like focus on him. Uh, on him, the the hologram, uh, but I it was it was odd. It was I, I don't know why they went through with it, uh, uh, but they they probably should have just just pulled back and reset and and, and gone with anything other than than Harry Carey, uh, the hologram. But uh, but yeah, it it for wasn't the culture. The best it's decision. great that they didn't pull back. By the way, that they did go forward. <laughs> Because now we all have yeah, yeah, hologram. I did enjoy. Forever. I, I, uh, I, I did enjoy the the memes. You're right. It was it was quality. Yeah, I mean hologram bad, but it is kind of what they want, right? People have something to talk about and something to, you know, that kind of image. Like even when they mess up, they still kind of drew attention to it. You know, like I'm sure if you were watching something else and check Twitter, be like, what is this? And then maybe you tuned in, uh, but I'm with you, Brett. Like I, I really like the Harry Carey video that they do at regularly, particularly since 
Harry Carey has become this cartoon character, uh, whether it's, you know, um, the Will Ferrell stuff or, you know, holograms. Um, you know, he's such a colorful, amazing character that you don't need to <laughs> embellish or make it a hologram. Just his voice uh, is just so distinctive and rich and his just persona is uh, larger than life that you don't, I don't get why you need to like do more with that than what you already have, which is just decades of an amazing broadcasting uh, career. And that's, you know, that's kind of the fine line MLB tries to walk here of like trying to do different stuff, trying to experiment. But when, you know, what they have is pretty compelling uh as is and i mean maybe the transition point here is like maybe more people would watch if like a third of the league wasn't actively tanking at all times right like that was a big issue with this game it was never gonna top yankees white Sox because these two teams have nothing to play for except for draft lottery lottery odds next year so the cubs lost the field of dreams game then I guess. Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, another sort of bigger, big picture layer to this that I, I I'm not going to say it points in one direction or the other. I think it's complicated. I think part of the reason that baseball and Fox can do so well with a game like this is because of the inherent oldness of baseball. And I don't just mean the fan base, although the fan base does increasingly get old each year, but just sort of like, it's easy to tap into the nostalgia with baseball because baseball as a sport is so intimately tied to its roots. It's so, you know, it's, it's anytime you try to, it paired actually really well for me. Maybe this will be like a tangential connection for others, but Jason Stark wrote recently at the athletic this week about um, those within the game, having a beef with the 13 pitcher limit. Uh, which was finally, you know, it was a rule that was created three years ago, literally three years ago, but it was not able to be implemented for various pandemic and then lockout related reasons. Uh, I believe June kicked in, early June, end of May. And Jason Stark was writing about how every executive he spoke to, every manager he spoke to hated it. They think it's just terrible. And what drives me crazy is all of their responses act as though the nine and 10 man bullpen was deeply part of baseball's history. You know, it's always been this way. How dare you change this? Instead of something that was just invented 10 years ago. That, like, I'm I'm not that old, but I'm certainly old enough <laughs> to remember when an eight-man bullpen was pretty darn normal and teams would sometimes flex down to seven and six. <gasps> Gasp! And, like, <laughs> that is one thing that baseball has going for it, that if you're going to be this, like, older sport that, that wants to tug on its nostalgia at least grab the good stuff like pace of play, right? That's how the game used to be played. We're trying to get the game back to how it used to be fine. Good. There are good opportunities there. Don't revolt against that. Don't push back against that. And if you do, if you're an insider in the game and you have a problem with what the pitch clock is going to try to accomplish, which is pace or what the limited bullpen is trying to accomplish, which is reinforcing longer starters and fewer pitching changes. I, I am, I, I love the players 
I love the managers. I love the executives. I'm into all that stuff. I'll write about the stuff and talk about it. But on this topic, I'm like, tough. Deal with it. Because it's not about you. It's about, frankly, me. It's about fans. It's about, <laughs> like, it's one of the few things where I'm like, no, no, no. This is about me. So I, my my opinion takes precedent over yours. And I think it's, for me, that all ties very much to watching an event like this that, again, we all agree. They did a great job in pulling off this broadcast somehow. You know, it ties really well to the history of the sport. And I think there are ways that MLB can use that to think in a forward-looking way about the sport and what it should be and how they should create a compelling product in the years ahead. And so, um, yeah. That's that's my two cents on that, and we can we can throw this around one last time before we wrap. Got any other parting either thoughts on that or on the Field of Dreams game? Or um, there was a Cubs baseball game in there, by the way, which they won. And uh, you know, Roan. Yeah, I mean, good. I can, like it, good. just yeah. I was actually about to say Brandon Hughes. Just touching on the bullpen aspect. I mean, you one way to get around that is to get a guy like Brandon Hughes to pitch two innings, right? I mean, I think David Ross has done a pretty good job of of knowing how to okay, I, I have a limited bullpen now. Well that means I gotta push guys at certain times and I think Michael Rucker is probably the guy he wanted to push and he ended up having to push Brandon Hughes who's been who's starting to uh make us wonder, is this a guy that you can you can lean on in the bullpen in the future? Uh did they find their uh uh, the Efros of last year, right? Uh, going forward, can he be a can he be a piece of a of a good bullpen? Uh, and which is you know what they need, right? More and more, continue to develop guys, continue to have surprise people, pitchers, performers, whatever it is. And and I think uh, this nice little bounce back that there there's a couple nice little nuggets that that Cubs fans should continue to watch moving forward, right? From whether it's the game or this past week of baseball. Uh, Suzuki had kind of really slowed down after that hot stretch after returning off the IL, and he had that game where he was three for five. Uh, I want to say it was Saturday. No, no, no. I'm losing track of days. Sorry. It's it was it was this. It was during the week. Whatever. It was during the week, and he was three for five. He should have been five for five. He hit the ball so well, uh, and and basically since then he's looked a lot better. Nick Madrigal looks like the player that he was supposed to be. Uh, you know, not a lot of power. Just put the ball in play and find uh, the hole, and and eventually the gaps will come as well. Uh, I think those two things have, have stood out to me this past week, and uh, along with uh, Brandon Hughes and and those guys, uh, you know, three pieces to varying degrees that could impact the Cubs beyond uh, this season. Obviously, a uh, uh, one where they're what 19 games under 500 or whatever. Uh, abysmal record they currently have uh this seems like such a long time ago or my my brain is like kind of melting here but the jason hayward <laughs> announcement came oh, right, after right. last oh, time we gosh. recorded um that we it, it it we haven't spoken since that holy crap that does feel a long time ago <laughs> yeah but i i think if we're doing like to kind of piggyback on what's hot i'm saying you can clearly see the cubs are moving on and have certain things that they want to find out about before they pack up uh, all their stuff and leave the clubhouse at the end of uh, this season. Uh, Jason Hayward still has a locker there, has stuff in there. We have not seen him there in a long time other than 
here or there kind of disappearing down a hallway before the all-star break have not seen him um i think it's worth noting that obviously he did not uh live up to every expectation in that contract uh offensively he was not the consistent performer jed and theo envisioned when they looked at their spreadsheets uh or whatever but uh from my view totally worth it if you're the cubs if you want to win the world series like that whole contract was designed around being that finishing piece uh to a championship team and a lot of ways he covered up some of those weaknesses that had been exposed in the 2015 nlcs we're talking about defense base running attention to detail a sense of professionalism and you know i think it's very telling that um you know fans don't have to believe this front office executives may not uh, think there's anything to it, but the consistency in which teammates uh, talk about Jason Hayward is kind of astounding, Um, whether from Nico Horner to Anthony Rizzo um, to Javi Baez, uh, Wilson Contreras. I mean, there's a lot of different personality. John Lester have come in and out of that clubhouse, guys from all different backgrounds, um, and expectations and to a man they all uh, just sincerely respect Jason Hayward and I think ultimately that will go a long way and uh, whatever he decides to do for the rest of his career I, I just think it's worth mentioning how uh, just revered he is in there and um, we're not side of an iron saying that because like he's super nice to us or gives us lots of uh, information um he's a good interview he's a good talker but it's just more the consistency in which he approached his job the steadiness uh in his demeanor around everyone uh on a team we're talking coaches staffers clubhouse guys um just very remarkable and is that worth 184 million dollars you know has he been the player the cubs hope for no but uh how many thousands of Cubs players have come through here and never got a ring? And he did and played uh, an instrumental part. I know that speech was part of, uh, you know, kind of the folklore afterwards, but like, you know, he, what he did in that moment was what he did throughout the whole year of just kind of calming people's nerves, setting a tone, uh, focusing on the next pitch. Like a lot of those kind of Joe Madden pillars um, were a part of Hayward's kind of DNA. And I think in players like Nico Horner, you'll see that uh, carry through for this next era. Yeah. Well said. I, yeah, I echo all I, those sentiments. Good, good place to leave it. I think it's there. It's telling that there was not a sense among the fans who had certainly grown um, exasperated by Hayward's play over the years, there was not a sense among fans that I could detect of like, you know, over celebration that his time with the Cubs is over. It was really more of just a, yep, makes sense. It's time. Damn, that guy tried, you know, that I just, I think there's a lot to that, especially after signing the deal that he did and struggling as deeply as he did, that he just was always there trying, showing up, doing what he could. Um, so uh, all props to him and whatever comes next. I imagine the Cubs will do will organize some kind of farewell opportunity for him, regardless of the injured list situation. I think there will probably be some kind of farewell opportunity. And then, as Jed Hoyer said, they'll 
to try to help him get a jump start on figuring out his next opportunity this offseason. So that's where we'll leave it. Thank you, folks, for listening to this one. It's on to Waveland, Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. The Cubs, as I said, have the weird off day today on Friday, and they'll head to Cincinnati to wrap up their series this weekend. And we will be back to you after the weekend. So you all take care. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.